0: Welcome to the content podcast, conversations with Silicon Valley's creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of content magazine published by SV creates. This episode of the content magazine podcast is brought to you by bonfire, a Silicon Valley digital agency, building elevated websites for ambitious brands. Find out more about bonfire at bonfire.com.
1: Hi, this is Danny Sanchez.
0: Today we talk with Danny Sanchez. He's the executive director of the City Peace Project and the author of Post Traumatic Quest. Hey Danny, how you doing? This is Daniel. It's it's good to talk to you.
1: Hey, how you doing, Daniel? Good to talk to you.
0: I'm doing I'm doing great, man. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch base with you. Um, you know, we've kind of had some contact in the past just a little bit, and I've seen you around. Um, but then I saw that you had uh, written kind of your book and your mem- memoirs, uh, Post Traumatic Quest, and so I wanted to just kind of talk to you about uh, the book, writing the book, and um, also there's a couple songs that you released um, about the same time with the, the book too, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. So let's start with those actually first. The, the music um, that you've released, were the, are those recent recordings? Did you just do
1: those well, what happened was um, we recorded some of them in I think like 25 years ago,
0: and they oh, were okay.
1: they call ADAT, right, and um, so we had to find somewhere. We found somewhere local, uh, Red Eye Studio that was able to transfer them onto the digital. And the reason that we wanted to release that is, of course, um, you know, with the book, but also, you know, at that place in my life, I was, you know. I was, I was, I was not the same person. You know, I was, you can tell by the lyrics, I was, you know, depressed. I was going through a rough time and, and I wanted to show, I work with, you know, a a lot of youth in our community and Mm -hmm. I wanted to show them that you can get past that stage in your life, you know?
0: Yeah. when so then when would, did you like write those songs and, um, kind of pin those, those songs and what year ish? I
1: I think about, um, 1995, okay yeah and so one of them is current one of them i did i did it was a partial song that i wrote back in 1996 or 97 it's called why am i alone i actually Hmm. that's that's i i finished it and um there's no vocals from the past they're all from now
0: Okay, and then as far as the production of it, you, you sang, and then you wrote them. Did you play? Do you play instruments on it as well? Or
1: no, I a longtime friend of mine, Jeff Gomez, a, he he plays guitar, and we reconnected. We've kept in touch over the years, and and you know, um, so because we had to do some some um, updates on yeah. music, so yeah, he played guitar on it, and we have other members of the band that played from back then.
0: Yeah. Okay, but that's cool. I didn't know. I thought that maybe there were some new songs. Um, I think it's because it is. Why am I alone? That's the one that's has the. There's a garden in my head. Is that yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah?
1: And you'll yeah. you see towards the end it changes. I'm not alone because you know I, I I went through that you know that stage in my life where I felt like that, but I know that I'm you know I have I have support now, and I wanted to give that message to whoever listens to the song. Also, you know, yeah. especially during COVID, right? We can feel isolated so when I yeah. record the song I wanted to end it on a positive note that I'm not alone
0: yeah so also I'm uh, I just read the book I mean it came out just in May and I just uh, tore through the whole thing and um, I was shocked quite honestly one you know congratulations on writing the book and I just applaud also your vulnerability of writing about all the things that happened to you in the past and all the things that you were about, um, you know, you were in juvie prison, um, physical, mental, sexual abuse, just like the kind of the whole, uh, thing slammed at you really. Right. Really? Yeah. Um, but then you, but you have a transformation from, from that. And you say in the book that um you that's when you like in prison you chose to become a christian so like what does that mean and how does that come about i mean i guess that's a spiritual awakening that you had
1: yeah but i don't i mean in the book um it's kind of a like for me it wasn't my spiritual awakening at that point it was just like a, a door was opening for me mm-hmm. um because you know it was the worst experience i had when i was you know incarcerated right i was kind of for lack of a better word, shot to the curb by the people that I hung out with, you know, because I was following Christ. Um, mm. So, you know, later on, I, I I do have a radical transformation, you know, through my faith in Christ. But at that point, it was kind of a, an escape. You know, I was trying to find an easy way out of, of um, you know, what was going on in my life in the book. And, um, okay. yeah, so, you know, that's when I kind of, at that point I was younger and I was like, oh, this is not for me at that point, you know? And I think it, again, I was using it as a, as an easy way out of my situation, you know? Um, yeah. and you know, I, I, I'd been, I'd been, I'd been stabbed multiple times, you know, and I just wanted some, to find some sort of peace at that time. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, it was a difficult time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, okay. So then, yeah, cause later, because you kind of have that in the book and then you get out but then you immediately kind of return to your normal yeah kind of shen- shenanigans if we yeah. could call it yeah that. yeah <laughs> um and then but then yeah your your cousin or uncle Eddie had become a pastor and so he kind of brought you in right
1: Yeah he was you know like I don't know if anybody that's listening has one of those you know family members that's really just fired up for for god you know and um he was one of those guys you know he had been incarcerated in and out right and he's sleeved with tattoos and he had a a, you know an experience with jesus christ and he wanted to share it but you know at that moment i wasn't ready for it and i was like he would pray and i would put the phone to the side and be like man almost (laughs) done dude you know Uh, yeah and 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 at that point it just wasn't my time yet you know i wasn't ready to fully kind of surrender the the lifestyles in and you know what i didn't recognize at the time was it's because i had these layers of trauma that i was dealing with yeah. and i didn't want to let go i was a heavy drinker and and drug abuser and i didn't want to let that stuff go at the time because you know that that helped me cope with pain yeah. and you know if you think about it it's like some pain i didn't even realize it, i normalized a lot of it and i think a lot of people you know you know i work i work with um the community with youth and i'm on the mayor's gang prevention task force as a crisis responder a faith leader mm-hmm. you know a pastor that supports families that are dealing with loss through youth violence and um and also a bedside assistance for those that are injured yeah. in youth violence and so you know um i've been in the place where a lot of these 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 young people that i'm working with have been and you know I didn't think I was, I don't, I don't think at that moment I was ready to give up my coping mechanism because, you know, it took years after to, to, to realize like, wow, you know, um, I don't have control, you know, and, and I came back when my, probably before this, but like when my, when my mom, she, she kicked my dad out of the house and, and I was, I was, I was devastated when I was about four years old. I can remember her throwing stuff out of the house and I was angry at her but I didn't know that he had, you know, he had, um, he had been with someone else, you know? And so, you know, a four-year-old just sees dad gone. And, and at that moment, we, we didn't have a lot of, um, you know, we were moving around a bit to my grandparents and we moved another place. So no stability. And, you know, I felt really out of control at that point, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about too, like a kind of a pivotal point in your life. I mean, I mean, so you had those kind of uh, you know, kind of like a, a little bit of abusive home and then the divorce and picked on by your brothers and kind of that kind of scenario. And then, and then, but this one time you had a fight and then that felt like it was something that you could do. So you kind of wrapped up your identity in that, right?
1: Yeah. Because, you know, I wasn't very good at school. You know, I had a lot of, um, I had, it was difficult to comprehend a lot of what I was learning, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Then I was, you know, I was a brat you know, I'm going to be honest with you, but like, um, and so I didn't get, you know, getting the pat on the back for getting A's, you know, and, and stuff like that. I was, you know, if you're familiar with 680 near King road, there's a catwalk yeah. there and that's, um, uh, I was at Lee Matson middle school and, and, and I got into my first real fight with a, with a bully and I ended up, you know, just putting hands on him <laughs> and, you yeah. know, and I'm going to funny, but you know, it just, yeah, for lack of a better word. And, Yeah, I I, people were cheering, you know, and I felt like, whoa, I'm I'm doing something right now. And so that that led me on a path. You know, I I had no positive role models, you know, Um, nobody was, you know, you know, you know, I was I wasn't playing Little League and my parents weren't in the in the in the in the aisles cheering and taking me out for pizza with my team and our snazzy suits, you know, so it was um you know that was something that we you know that really helped me i mean to yeah. not help me but made me feel like i i did something right
0: yeah yeah kind of like yeah like i said like you wrapped up your identity in being this fighter yeah. um uh, and that led you down a path of a lot of a, a lot of stuff that led then to this spiritual awakening where you became a christian right um the person that you were and the person that you are now Who's the Danny that's consistent in there? What do you see kind of like, oh, yeah, this is who i always been or want to be?
1: You know, so my faith in Christ came at the lowest point of my life. You know, if you, if you, in the book, I talk about flirting with death and, you know, mm-hmm. thoughts of suicide and suicide attempts. And I always w- was, was curious about it, you know, maybe it was mm-hmm. because... I didn't feel like I had anything, you know, like I didn't have any hope. I didn't yeah. have any support. I felt alone. And, you know, when I had my radical transformation in Christ, you know, I faced death. It, I, I was, I, I had to do a bottle, you know, for my probation officer. Hmm. And, you know, I can go, I can get put back, you know, being locked up. Yeah. If the bottle's dirty, whether it's alcohol or drugs, and I happened to not care the night before and did some drugs, oh. and you know there was, there was a, um, there was you know this 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 you know amongst inmates, if you want to have a clean you know um, bottle, you drink baking soda. So I drank oh, yeah. a bunch of baking soda, and it got me super sick, and I threw up some blood, hey, and I, yeah. I, I I was like terrified. I was like, I'm going to die. And at the moment when I faced, I felt like I faced death. I Mm -hmm. was like, I don't want to die. I want to live. And I heard from many people throughout my life about Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. my uncle being one of them and other people, other locals, like, um, I don't know if you remember Simon Woodstock, the skater. He was the church I was at and, you know, they were sharing with me, and I said, "If you're real, God, I I I want you." And and at that moment, my life radically changed. Like it, I mean, I was free from drugs. You know, yeah. people can share all the stories they want or talk about the other one, but I, I, I'm telling you, this is a real experience. Yeah. I, had. I was, I felt like, I, I I don't I don't feel addicted anymore. I feel peace. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the 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 things that I was dealing with were starting to you know, I was starting to realize like, okay, I'm, i feel like there's a healing beginning in my life.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: that was it was a powerful experience for me, you know. And um uh I, I left, you know, my 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 former path. Oh. Um I was tempted sometimes, but you know, I just I moved forward from there.
0: Yeah. And so yeah, so then you started uh to work in a church and work at the youth and that eventually led you to what you're doing now, which is the City Peace Project. So what exactly, you know, do you do with this the City Peace Project? What's What's that about?
1: So the City Peace Project, um, we work with a public schools and we do mentoring and coaching, supporting students, conflict resolution on campus, you know, especially now during COVID, they have distance learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really feel like a lot of the students – Um, are dealing with a lot of trauma and uncertainty also right yeah so we 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 reach out to them um, whether it's zoom over the phone over social media we support them we do home visits and we we just try to encourage and help them you know through school we you know if if it weren't COVID, you know some things we do is we take them on tech tours to local tech companies like Apple or Google or VMware and have engineers and other people share with them their experience. Because, you know, people might not know this. We, we, we from San Jose know this probably. Well, most, a lot of us do that are from here that there's a big gap between the haves and the have nots here, right? There's, there's people that, you know, are are making hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. There's some people that multiple people are in one are are, are living in a tiny, I mean, you know, tiny home. And so, you know, I just try to give them hope and, you know, connect them with the resources they need to be successful.
0: Yeah. 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 I love what you say in the book too, is that rather you chose rather than trying to take them to prison and and try to scare them, you were going to give them uh, kind of like the opportunity to see how great life could be. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they already know what happens when you make bad choices, right? Right but we have to give them the experience of, you know, what is it if they make good choices, right? We want them to know know that effort and education and hard work, you know, it'll pay off. I know it's not easy all the time for everyone, but, you know, if you continue to work hard, you know, like myself, you know, I I felt like for me, I had a, and I share this in the book, you know, I was in juvenile hall, right? I, Mm -hmm. I had, I was, I was, being accused of a felony that i did not commit i'm not saying i'm an angel i was with the people that did it but you know i was in juvenile hall and i remember when i was getting convicted of the felony i was like my life's over who's gonna want to hire and i was like 14 years old who's over at 14 years old but i didn't have anybody telling me anything otherwise you know
0: yeah
1: and it was it was so so look at the obstacles some of our, our 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 kids have especially in Uh, underserved communities right and students are disengaged you know they don't have some of the opportunities that more fluent areas might have and so we are trying to connect them with that you know some of the kids we work with you know they're not documented right or their parents are not they live in this fear or you know they have you know no one you know everyone learns differently right some by instruction but some people need some hands-on kind of Support. So we also provide tutors because yeah. we understand that too. And yeah. also, you know, I took a group of um, um, students that were were, were associated with, um, with 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 a local gang uh, mm-hmm. to Google. <laughs> and, yeah, cool. and when the engineer shared, was talking about engineering, they were falling asleep. <laughs> but when he let them code and create something, they lit up. Uh... There was laughter. There was. They were just like, "Come and look at this." They were so happy at something, you know, they created digitally, and it took them like twenty minutes, you know.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool.
1: So it's just those types of things. Say, "Wait, I can do this." There was a student on the trip that said, "You know what? I could see myself working here at this company, and it doesn't have to be an engineer." You know, they could, they could, they could be an artist there they can they can you know work in the kitchen wherever it might be and it's not just tech companies they have opportunities to do whatever they want and we want to provide a pathway for them to get connected yeah that's a big part of the coaching you know um i wish i had somebody that coached me and helped me along my path when i was younger
0: it's it's it is true i think and you do a great job in the book pointing out i mean it's and even as you're talking now it's like the things that are kind of holding us back that we use to cope, um, they're only there because we it's the only option that we know and that we're – in as uncomfortable and damaging it could be to us, it's the thing that we're comfortable with. It takes that kind of like, no, there's another path mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So now, you, I mean, your life is – you know is definitely being used your experience i mean imagine i imagine that the empathy and understanding that you have for the community that you work with um is a great asset and a tool right mm mm-hmm. um so but as you're working with the community, i mean you talk about it in the book too how once you became a christian you and a pastor and you're doing stuff you were still trying to kind of like prove and do um I, you know, kind of like making up for the sins of the past in a way or something. So you've, yeah. you know, dealt with, with that. But, um, but, uh, you know, for me, I, is it, it must be very overwhelming to be working. I mean, how many students do you get to work with and how many are kind of still caught up in the, the path and the trajectory of not seeing choice and option? What's, yeah. what's that like?
1: Yeah, so we have a team. So we work with hundreds of students, you know, in East San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I'm the executive director of the City Peace Project, but I also mm-hmm. am working on the ground because I want to know what's going on. Yeah, you, you know, we I, I've seen a shift. You know, we were at one school particular, right? The, when we started, the school it was a middle school. They had a hundred. I'm, I'm I'm I don't have the exact number, but 140 plus suspensions one year.
0: Wow.
1: The next year, in, I'm not taking the credit for this because there's a lot of amazing people on that, on that, um, cancer, sure. you know, staff, but we, we had a, it, it, it was, it went down to 20. Wow. So wow. there's some data there showing, you know, these, you know, we're not, we're, we're not teachers, you know, we're, we're there as a coach, the teachers, the us as a coach to them and a mentor, and then just working through with them, we were hmm. starting to see transformation. Yeah. And, you know, and the, when I, I'll I'll be honest with you like when I do because what we provide for the chaplaincy program for the gang task force for the crisis response that's a difficult part of my work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know we we help families that are dealing with loss you know yeah. no one knows no one I mean no one's ready to lose a 14 year old son to yeah. violence and it's yeah. difficult but it's also I've dealt with that violence not of loss particularly I mean you know like but I, I was in a hospital bed like i visit people in the hospital yeah um you know so it's part of it's it, it helps me because i've experienced it and and, and, it, and i'm i'm he- it's a part of me healing as giving back to help you know these students that are dealing with the yeah you know the the yeah. because i i sometimes because i'm an ordained pastor right um mm. uh, we provide financial support to the families. We provide food for the families. We help arrange the funerals for the families. Um, we even sometimes try to get facilities for the families because it's expensive, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and and we get a, a a pastor or a priest or whatever their faith background is to share there for them. And, and a lot of times they invite me to do it. And this is a way that before we really launched into our work when I first started working more with the community, um, mm-hmm that a lot of people knew me, they would say, yeah. Hey, you did sleepy's funeral or you did dopey's funeral or you're the yeah. priest that did this or that. And that's what built, that's where you at one funeral, a young man who, I think he was 18 years old. It was really heartbreaking, Yeah. but we're in a, um, in a small chapel. Um, I think it's called chapel of flowers down on second street. And if anybody's ever been there, can, if you could imagine one of those chapel rooms filled with about 200 plus people, it's packed yeah.
0: yeah
1: and when I was in that room um, there was an, we give an opportunity for people to share about um, you know like the person you know share some memories yeah and the memories that were shared you know usually it's about 10 15 minutes right or less it was over two hours Wow teachers principals coaches wow. friends and it was it was so devastating and I was yeah. as I was listening and as I looked out into the crowd some were weeping some were angry I hmm. smelled the the alcohol you know um, yeah. some were I don't know probably plotting for retaliation it was gang related some yeah. you know were just sitting there blank and at that moment you know as 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 a as a believer in Christ I felt something in my heart say look at these are like sheep without a shepherd yeah you yeah. need to love these people and yeah. that's where it birthed out into more being more proactive you yeah. know proactively being a part of my community i again i started seeing i would go to mcdonald's right there on tully road right and pass some kids they said hey you're the priest they would call me a yeah. priest right but so, <laughs> you know i just would just start talking with them and encouraging them and that's what what birth that proactive work and then working with schools and then Going to skate parks because you know not only did, it, did I have a background, you know, being involved with a gang, but also I love skateboarding and I still skateboard today. And yeah. I go to skate parks and you know we give things out to the kids. We do like giveaways and prizes, and I bring food. You know, they're they're looking yeah. at a place to have acceptance and connection, and and we try to get that connection with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, would you say, like even with the school that you saw the 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 transformation from a hundred and something to twenty something um what was it detentions or yeah. um and even what you're doing in the community and stuff like that, I mean, would it be like is it really somewhat simple in that it's just love and time and encouragement that is the big factor to change people
1: I think so you can't put a metric on it right you can't put there's yeah. no data it's just love right i mean we could see the results of course the data you know um but it's just time we we spend a lot of time and i say we because we have a i have a team a yeah. lot of time in the community a lot of time listening a lot of time guiding yeah and i think it's it's just really really important for the youth we work with to know that they have someone that they call i get calls sometimes in the middle of the night not all the time and, yeah. and i have questions and and even some of the the kids i've worked in i work with that have left the gangs they're concerned about their friends and they'll tell me
0: yeah.
1: or or you know just it's just um it's it's just amazing the relationship would build these are like the ones that would call me at night they're adults now but i've known them since they were in seventh grade right you know and they're yeah. they're now they're productive you know doing productive things in the community when they before. You know they were making bad decisions, and some of them went down the path that I went down. You know, being incarcerated yeah. and so Yeah,
0: yeah. And once you start going, it's it's really hard to turn back. The odds really are against you in some ways, right? I mean,
1: yeah. I'm glad you bring that yeah. up because you know, when I was younger, I, I know there, there there's a lot of reform and change now. When I was younger, there was about I I, I don't know the exact number, it was 60 kids per unit in juvenile hall. And I heard yeah. the entire Juvenile Hall right now has something around. I'm not sure, maybe 60 for the entire facilities. But huh. um, I was an alcoholic teenager. They mm-hmm. were drinking and doing drugs, and I really needed re- rehabilitation. Yeah. But incarceration.
0: Right.
1: And instead of getting help, I was. I was i was i was i kept going back for drinking and just being incarcerated instead of being sent to a rehab yeah you know and and i think about it it was and then even to young adulthood you know the same thing happened you know i felt like there's a word a term that when you're incarcerated it's called being railroaded Hmm. it's for conviction the da would say hey you got this uh, misdemeanor if you plead guilty today you can get out if you don't plead guilty um, then you're gonna have to wait right. for your next court date. An uneducated person like me, what do you think I did? I wanted to get out, right?
0: Yeah. I yeah. wanted
1: to get out immediately, and, and so I, I would just get dismissed like for drunk in public, you know, or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, getting in trouble, and and it, and, and it was a long path until finally, you know, when um, when I when I shared earlier about that near death experience, finally one of one of the probation officers said, "Man, you need help. I'm gonna send you to rehab."
0: Yeah, You yeah. know,
1: so it's just, it's just having empathy and looking, and, and this is what's important. This is why we wrote, part of why we wrote the book, right? Because there's layers that yeah. people are dealing with. When I was in juvenile hall um, for the first time, it was my first time being in juvenile hall. They didn't know I was claustrophobic. My, my brother, uh, he locked me in the closet. They threw yeah. me into a tiny room, you know, with a yeah. key lock, with a tiny window. I flipped yeah. out. I was yeah. banging the door and I was hyperventilating, asking to let me out. You know, yeah. I was there for 30 days. It seemed like I was there for an eternity.
0: Right. And
1: it, I, I was completely changed after I got out of being incarcerated.
0: Yeah. Just because of the, the trauma of being locked up like that,
1: huh? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the loss of control that I felt when I was a kid, when I felt like when my brother would, you know, um, yeah. put the blanket over my head or lock me in the closet or, or when somebody would bully me, all these things started coming up. But then w- w- the reason I say I changed is because, you know, I, 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 I tried to, de- I tried to act normal cause I would have to survive. It's the total opposite, um, of being outside when you're incarcerated, you can't trust people. There's a lot of violence and back then we would fight all the time. And so when I got out, I tried to act normal, but I'll tell you right now, I did not feel normal. Yeah. I was yeah. a different person. And yeah. the the skill what I learned in and uh, from being incarcerated, those those skills don't work out here. You know? Yeah. And yeah. and so so, you know, the world, you know, my, my 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 parents' life went on, you know the world went on, but I was a whole different person after getting out of being yeah. incarcerated.
0: Yeah, it's not only it's not only that experience of being in that kind of changes you, but then when you get out too, um, it's the way that then you're you're labeled and then you've lost resources, right, and even support systems. You know, I know sometimes like if you you don't even get your license taken away, so then you have to – you're riding your bike to get to place to place, but then you're getting home late, but then you got a record, so you get stopped because you, you know – <laughs> yeah. You know, and it just becomes this real difficult thing. What would you say then, you know? Definitely, with what's going on in the world, in your experience. I mean, you've kind of been on both sides. I know you in the book. You even talk about a time where you were hogtied and taken up, kind of like up by the mountains over or the hills. You know, Elm Rock or Story Road out that way. Yeah, and yeah, kind of like beat up, abused by the uh, the police now you work along police officers or engage with them looking at from your all your experience and like that what is what is our culture and society supposed to do um you know defund the police what what's kind of your perspective what's what's do you see as some of the solutions and hopes for our our society
1: yeah you know when you, when you think about this right so my experience was it was during the Rodney King riots. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they take me up to the hills. They hog tie me. Um, there was guns drawn on me. And mm-hmm. I was about, I think 18 or 19 years old. And I weighed about 105 pounds. So think about that. I was very young. I don't, I don't remember around that age. Right. But yeah. you know, they, they, one thing they said to me that I'll never forget is like, nobody would even care if you died today. Yeah. And I don't want to put a blanket over everybody. Everyone's different. You know, there are, there are, there's people that are wearing the badge that are committed to what they do. And there are people that, you know, abuse their power and there are people that are in the middle, you know, seeing the same thing every day that, you know, it it gets hard. Yeah. But I do believe there needs to be reform. Mm And, you know, it's just, I, when I, I'll give you. Um, I'll, I'll share a story. Um, I'll share a couple of stories, but okay. you know, a young a mother called me, and um, her son. You know, he had a um, um, the term. What is it? A it was a mental health call, emergency call, okay. right, for sure. uh, a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. And she before she called, she was afraid to call 911. And I, she was asking my advice. Like I said, you have to make the decision. It's, it's his life in danger. You know, I had to go over all that stuff with her. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, she, but she made the decision to call the hospital.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. Because she was afraid her, she, a young Latino man, um, oh. you know, acting, you know, different, you know, she was afraid that something might happen to him. The hospital asked her to call 911. I was on the phone with her. And, uh, they came with the, they came right before, I think about the same time as the ambulance came and he took off running
0: Oh.
1: and they chased him. Yeah. And you know, this kid needed help. He didn't need, he didn't need to be chased by police officers or handcuffed. He was having some, some, something going on that he needed support with. And so, you know, there things like that. They, it needs to be reformed. I, I, you know, I actually talked with, 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 um, um, a higher record officer here in San Jose about that situation. And he mentioned to me also, like, you know, I you know, he, he, he mentioned why they do that. If there's any mm. sort of like, you know, if there's any sort of threat, even right. hanging on the door or pushing the door, then they have to send police. But he also told me that that's why sometimes these mental health calls turn into a felony.
0: Oh, cause they fled. So that, that yeah, cause something resisting res- arrest resist or-, or
1: they push or they, you know, things like that happen or, even they can be looked at as a threat and, 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 yeah. you know, so, and, and the, you know, in you, another time there was some, you know, this is after everything had happened, the protests downtown. And there yeah. was a couple of young men that I, that I work with, um, they were sitting in a car and they got harassed and they weren't doing anything but sitting in a car in a, in a, yeah. in, in an area that's probably known for for gang, historically, and I called, hmm. you know, a higher-ranking officer and asked him why, what's going on with this? You know, one of them ended up getting taken in. He did have, like, maybe I think it was a screwdriver in his pocket,
0: hmm.
1: um, but, but he felt it was very aggressive. And so, we're getting calls. So my, my advice is like, I what I told the young man's, these moms, I said, you you need to call the independent police auditor. You know, we need to hold yeah. these people, you know, these 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 officers accountable. Um, they videoed the the incident and, you know, and I don't know what mom did, but I just, I can give advice to that. So, yes, yeah. um, I do know, I do, I, I do know some people that I've worked with because I have to go, go to a home after a homicide or, 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 or somebody was injured. So, you know, I, I, I did meet people that are, that are officers that love what they do and their, their, yeah. their passion. They want to, help people and get people that you know these people that committed a crime you know uh, a violent crime off the street so yeah. I, I just think that you know we need there needs to be a lot more um support for you know the when, when someone's not a threat and not looking at yeah. everyone as a threat I maybe it's the way they're trained i don't know enough about that yeah. to speak on that but you know i don't think everyone they come across yeah. it's it's a threat, you know, especially it's sad if it's a, if it's a young African-American or Latino man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, every call is as unique as the person and the circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is a lot of, there is a lot of pressure on the police officers, you know, to how they can manage that and handle it. And, um, yeah and but you know unfortunately, I have to say too that I've seen police officers that I know who've been great great people, but the daily um exposure to kind of some tough situations and then having near death experiences because of threats yeah makes it makes them hard you know and fearful you know yeah so
1: yeah and and e r um, nurse had said this before, and I, and I always pray for myself that w- this wouldn't happen. But when they see a pay- someone coming in constantly, you know, they get a little bit, yeah, like you know, this person keeps coming in, you know, like it just gets a little bit hard towards, and I and I and I hope that our hmm. that our officers' hearts are not like that. I hope the yeah. Marco never gets like that. When I'm working with kids that are getting suspended or getting in trouble, I always want to have empathy and compassion for them. And I, th- yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's important for us and for them to be trained on that. Also, it's important. Right. And I don't think, yeah. you know, it necessarily needs to be militant. I think it needs to be, <laughs> there needs to be a yeah. balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then how about for me as a citizen, I, you know, I live downtown and, um, you know, but for other people, how, what can we do? What can we, how can we live? How can we help create a better neighborhood
1: i think it's you know knowing your neighbors right um mm-hmm. knowing knowing your community find out what's going on in your community you know i that's how i got involved in what i do i i just started meeting people um i just started find, I i didn't even know there was a a, a gang prevention task force you mm-hmm. know that there's there's the programs like project hope and, and, and Catholic charities and other programs that are out there that, for youth or um knowing what our what, what, what the needs of our neighbors are and our community is. Mm-hmm. Um these skate parks are important, you know, think about yeah. that. When I was a kid we used to skate up the whole streets in San Jose, right? But right, yeah. they have a place to um to congregate and to skate and it's not always, you know, just skaters, there are people who hang out there. And you know, of course there's people doing what they shouldn't be doing at the parks too, but I go out to our parks in San Jose and I build relationships with people and yeah. they respect me. And if I ask them, you know, something, most of the time they'd be like, Hey, I respect that. You know, if there's, yeah. maybe, you know, there's kids there and I'll say, Hey, you know, like, maybe we shouldn't be smoking that stuff around the kids. You know, was, <laughs> you know, they're, they're respectful of that. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. And, but it's because of the relationship, right. I mean. Yeah. They know that you're there to support them, not to bring them down, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm not there to judge them or anything. They know that off, off the bat. I'm there to support them and then to teach them also, you know, to look out for the people, their their their, their surroundings. Because, you know, say for yeah. instance, like if you go to Plata Arroyo Park, a skate park and in the afternoon, there's so many little kids out there skating on their scooters and just having a great time. Yeah. Um, and you might not think sometimes there might be somebody out there maybe smoking what they shouldn't be smoking out there. And, you know, yeah. um, we, we want to make every area that's open like that a family, fam, family, friendly area. And we're yeah. really respectful. You just got to you just just I just I built relationships over the years and talk with them. And, and they're yeah. really cool. They're really good people.
0: Yeah. So uh, let's get back to the book a little bit. If there's one thing you want people to take away uh, from the message of the book, what would that be?
1: Well, for the kids, I would say this: that there's hope beyond your current yeah. circumstance, especially. Um, we're we I, I can't even say post COVID. We're still in 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 our COVID, and there's trauma right from COVID. Yeah. There's isolation. There's been an uptake in domestic violence at homes. There's been. Um, there's been also like a lot more violence happening in our, in in San Jose. You know, if you're watching the news, there's drugs, um, suicide. And, you know, I think people are, are there, there's a sense of hopelessness. And like I had, but to Mm -hmm. know that there is, there is a way beyond this. That like myself, I turned my pain to purpose. Yeah. And then I found peace and my peace, you know, comes from my relationship with God and self care. And yeah. for those that don't know what the kids are going through, or what young people, or why are they acting this way, or what, what, you know, what's what's going on with these students, you know, whatever it is, whether they're an educator or or, or work with with, with youth in some way, um, you know, they're not showing up or they're not participating in their work, you know, we don't know what's going on in their home. We yeah. don't know, you know, mom and dad are not working because of COVID they lost their work or hours or even lost a loved one. We don't, and you're not logging in. We don't know if there's 10 people in, in a small house and it's loud and they don't want to turn their camera on, you know? So get the layer, like let them know that there are layers that a lot of the kids are dealing with. They, you know, just need empathy and love.
0: and support. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. What about for you? What is your, um, kind of spiritual practices and, and self-care that you kind of do to keep you filled up to um do the work that you're doing
1: yeah it's it, it's tough sometimes especially with yeah. loss and there's kids that i've known that have passed mm-hmm. and um i you know in the book i do mention i i did have a hard time you know i went through kind of a breakdown and i i needed support you know yeah But for me it's for me it's prayer i pray Mm -hmm. get up in the morning, pray, meditate on, on, on the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. I know the importance of having good people around you with my church family, you know, Mm -hmm. and with them. Um, I skateboard, (laughs) 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 pain. It's fun. Right. Like there's pain here. And then you, I mean, Of course when I fall when I skate, there's a little bit of pain, but it's not the same. Yeah, you know, I I use all of our skate parks in San Jose. um, and I love it. I love I my I have a ten year old son that skates with me. I ride the bowls. I I have a lot of fun. I'm not you know, I'm not doing all these crazy tricks, but I have fun out here. (laughs) And so I you know, I take walks with my family and, you know, even had even had counseling. So Yeah. I have you know, in the in in the Bible, um, the disciples that were with Jesus, they they were doing a lot, and Jesus would take them away to a quiet place. And yeah. so, if I know that the disciples, you know, um, needed to get a, get away, and Jesus even retreated to a, a quiet place, that I do to recharge. I need time, and I I need to have self care. And I think, yeah. especially here in the Silicon Valley, we're so used to working and grinding, grinding, grinding. And I think it's so important that people take a break and say, you know, what? For me, the highest form of worship is rest. Mm. It, when I'm worshiping God, if I'm yeah. resting in Him, that's the highest awesome. form that I could feel like just the presence and grace of God in my life. Uh, when when I when I when when I'm at rest, and I think a lot of times, I even in my work in the community, I had the Sil- Silicon Valley grind. I right. was going, going, going. Going,
0: yeah.
1: and it it burned me out, yeah. and I needed to get you know refreshed and restored. And I, and I think we need to all have balance in our life. I think it's important, yeah. you know. Um, there's a gentleman, um, he's a, at the time met him, he was a COO um, of VMware, and we took a group of kids there, and he shared something with the kids uh, that we took from one of our high schools in East San Jose. We took him over there. And he came and talked to them. He said, there's four things, you know, um, always work hard, never stop learning, love what you do, and always give back. Yeah. His name is Sanji Poonen And, you know, the giving back part, it's what, what, what brings it full circle. Like, if there's anyone yeah. that's listening, that's in the grind right now, when, when you give back to the community, like, those tours were powerful for these kids, you know? Uh, yeah. When you're doing something, it, it, it it's a part, like for me, it's like, it's, it's a part of my healing, you know, yeah. from I'm able to help people that are in my situation. And even it keeps you like, when we give back, not like feeling overwhelmed or pressure, but like just saying, you know, like I'm going to volunteer to distribute food or something like that. Yeah. I think it's just so important for us to get, to learn how to give back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I've. I've kind of found that too. I had a little epiphany, you know, because it's like, well, what does it mean to love your neighbor? And it was like, well, it did mean simply to to serve and to help. And then so I came up with my own little motto of life. It's like to live is to give, right? Yeah. And you really yeah, you get not only personally enriched, but everything just really comes alive when you just think of your life as giving and serving, you know.
1: Yeah, you know, a pastor shared with me years ago when I was a new believer, like I was really, I had a lot of anxiety and stress, you know. Mm. And um, I said, What do I read? What do I do? Like, I mean, what do I read? Or what should I pray? Or, you know, I just, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, You don't do any of that. You just go serve someone else and get your mind off yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We're so focused yeah. on ourselves a lot, right? And, and he's 100% right. Yeah. yeah. Just help people that needed help and support yeah. people and that that. That birth and you know grew into you know where where I am now. Yeah, I, I really just want to. I I just want to be. I tell those that I work with, hey, I'm just a messenger here. Whatever I get, I I'm I'm getting from somewhere. Whether because a lot of our donations come from churches. You know, a lot of our donations yeah. from families. Are during during COVID, um, churches have donated direct, not nothing going into our bank account at all. Mm-hmm. Check. Mm-hmm. I'm just the middleman for yeah. $100,000 awesome. to families that were going to get evicted, that needed to pay bills, that needed food, they needed clothes, you know, um, yeah. because of COVID. Some of these families were um, living in their car. Some of them were, and these are, you have, think about this, everyone that I work with has children under the age of 18, and they're all yeah. We We don't just get random people. We know right. because we work with schools and we work with, you know, um, um, community agencies. We know yeah. the situation of the people and some were living in, in, in COVID. I think, uh, um, hotels were, were open for COVID, right. And, and a lot yeah. were lacking resources. And, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the, the, the churches really came through and they're not, they're not putting it on a, you know, they're not putting it on a hill or shouting it out. They just said, Hey, yeah. I'm not asked. I'm not don't give them our business. You don't have to give them our business card. You don't have to share a message with them. You don't have to give them anything. Just help them. Yeah, and it's yeah. it was powerful, you know. And I, I, and I, people were like, "Thank you." I'm like, "Don't take me." There's a lot of generous people. Thank me maybe for getting the check or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm just you know, but you know, not not like um, you know, it was a lot of generous people that have faith that that just want it, the new that are our, you know, our world was in crisis yeah. and they had me yeah. to help people. And I, I've delivered thousands, probably, I was going to say hundreds, but it's probably like thousands <laughs> of, of, of care packages to people like with, 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 with groceries and gift cards and, and yeah. with, help with all this stuff. And it's like, I mean, I, I mean, I have a limited budget. I can't do that on my own, you know? And yeah. it was just the generosity of, of, of people here in the Silicon Valley in San Jose that, really, really stepped up. And a lot of it, you know, is the church and they, they, they helped a lot of people. Yeah. Time.
0: Awesome. That's cool. You're like, uh, San Jose's mother, Teresa, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with a better voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Hey, I just want to, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And it's just an incredible, incredible, encouraging story to see, how your life has changed, and how, you know, just how incredible that experience that you had—that was bad—is now being used for so much good and empathy for our city, and and we're blessed to have you to be in our city. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah.
1: I'm just kind of getting a so little emotional right now because you know I I used to destroy, you know, but now yeah. I I get to build into lives and. You know, I'm 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 glad, Daniel. I'm I'm getting to talk to with you about this. You know, and I remember yeah. why I'm doing what I do. You know, part of it is my faith and just my love for my city. I love the city. Yeah, And yeah, me too. I, I look back at you know what I used to do and it's very destructive. And I'm and I'm so thankful that God changed my life that I'm able to just build now and invest in the now generation. You know, these kids that I'm working with and working with wonderful people from different agencies and government agencies and, you know, all around just working together. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, an honor to be able to do this.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate, yeah, as you know, the post-traumatic quest book says from pain to purpose, from purpose to peace. So, um, incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you for the book. And, um, we will put in the show notes and all those kind of things on how they can get it. But, um, how could people help city, um, peace project?
1: Well, I mean, there's many ways, right? There's opportunities to volunteer. There's donations. Um, right now it's not, really, we're not really, you know, because of COVID with volunteers, but yeah. um, more with, uh, you know, there's, there's financial support or people can donate canned goods, non-perishables to us. Mm, okay. yeah. Um, they, they, they can also, our website is thecitypeaceproject.org. Mm-hmm. Um, they can send an email through there. Um, they also, if you want to just see what we're doing, um, a yeah. City Peace Project on Instagram. Yeah. Um, or, or if you want to learn more about the book, Post Traumatic Quest on Instagram, or Pastor Danny underscore Sanchez, they can look at my page also. And I'm also on Facebook. They, a lot of people reach out through those platforms, those social media platforms. Uh, yeah. and and the book's available on Amazon. Yeah, and so they can go to Amazon and pick up the book. Post traumatic quest.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Awesome, and on, and you're on Spotify, and you're I'm on the Spotify. Music...
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Are you on TikTok and Snapchat and
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah, <I'm> <laughs> and everything. Phones, but yeah, so yeah, the music's on iTunes, and Spotify. So is the book. You know, again, the music was something where. it was giving hope beyond it's it's you know we're from it, it was it was written in the 90s so it's yeah. kind of got that grunge melodic yeah. kind of, yeah. you know
0: metallica uh, slash
1: yeah yeah so it's uh, like the, it's like a throwback to the 90s grunge so if you're into that throwback right now
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah i'd appreciate it if you y'all check it out and share it and just know the 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 heart behind it is is to give people hope everything that i'm that i'm doing that i've been given i want to I freely receive and I yeah. really want to give. You know, yeah.
0: And I want to help. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Danny. Thank you for your time. And like I said, thank you for the work. And um, I hope because of this podcast, there's people who uh, contribute, purchase, and help out. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I bet, like, Thanks. I just want to say one thing really quick. Sure. Dan Jose, I love you. I love all of you. Daniel, I appreciate you. I love you, and I thank you for letting me be a part of this podcast. And um, yeah, I can share that.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, we'll talk to you later. All Thanks. Right. Bye. Bye. To find out more about Danny and the projects that he does in the community, go to his website, The City Peace Project. And to find out more about the book, go to the website Post Traumatic Quest. Also, follow him on Instagram at The City Peace Project and at Pastor Danny underscore Sanchez. Thank you for listening to the content magazine podcast. Follow us on social media at content mag, visit our website to become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the local creatives. The music for this episode is by Danny Sanchez and can be found on this Spotify post-traumatic quest.